Hello and welcome back to the Mash and Martinis podcast. I am your host Colin and oh my gosh, today do we have a great one. Today we are covering Dear Dad, which is uh, which is a great episode uh, early on in the series, which is, you know, which, which is awesome. Uh, there are so many and there there are so many shows where just like season one is just very hit or miss and and mash is not immune to that there are so many episodes in, in season one that are just kind of in my opinion in the grand scheme of mash not very good um but this one nails it out of the park but uh before we get into that let's uh let's go to my normal uh, intro shall we so do you want to ask me a question and have me answer it in a future podcast you can leave it in the form of a five-star review on apple podcasts at the end of the review if you would like toss your name on it so i know who i'm talking to And sometimes I do record episodes a week or two in advance, so if you do leave a review, it may take a couple episodes before I can get to that. But don't fret, I will get to it. You can also email me uh, and uh, for any questions, comments, random facts about upcoming episodes, anything you would like for me to discuss, uh, as long as it's related to MASH, really, uh, I will discuss it. I would love to hear it, and I would love to hear from you. Uh, My email is mashandmartinis at gmail.com. Uh, I also do have a website where I can be reached now. That is www.podpage.com slash mashandmartinis. You can contact me there via messages or even leave voicemails. You can also check out information on the latest podcast, read about the show, and see some show notes. Uh, so today's random fact. We, we've discussed in the last few episodes. We've had BJ versus Trapper. We've had Frank versus Charles, right? The Battle of the Goliaths, right? Now it's time for Henry. Wow, I was almost gonna say Henry versus Blake, Henry versus Potter. That would be kind of difficult, right? So Henry versus Potter today. So, uh, and and honestly, uh, when I when I put this down, uh, I don't know. My my gut was like, I, I don't know. I'm very torn. The others like BJ versus Trapper. Like I I knew it was going to be BJ. Uh, he's he's a lot easier to kind of associate with. Um, Trapper's kind of a little one-sided, I think. BJ's a little bit more of that complex character. He's obviously got a lot more episodes, uh, a, like a more built relationship with all the other characters. So BJ was overall fairly easy for me. Frank versus Charles. I thought just the you know while Charles is very talented, I thought Frank just brought more to the show. Uh, and obviously was like that villain type of a character. So to me, Frank was easy. Uh, but now this one, I don't know. Because it's not like uh, either are bad uh, in the sense of like Frank being bad. Obviously, you know you know what I mean. Uh, obviously, neither of these are, <laughs> are bad characters. Uh, but, uh, you know, like Henry's that OG, right? He is... He is he started the mash right and you know he's talked he talked about that like he built that camp right so it's it's really hard to go against henry and uh you know henry blake is 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 really goofy uh, but you know harry's got his his moments too right uh i was harry potter harry harry potter <laughs> i am just stumbling over my words today this is obviously not harry potter this is harry morgan or sherman potter I, I apologize. I know this is not uh, a show about wizards and this is not Harry Potter, but uh, I'm guessing I'm not the first one that to call him Harry Potter. Uh, I am guessing that has happened before. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Um, anyway, uh, you know, Henry... <laughs> now I was almost going to say Henry Morgan, and oh man, I am... I am way off the I am way off of the rails uh, today. I'm just gonna start calling him Potter. Just, I'm just straight going to Potter. Uh, so anyway, Potter, uh, you know, amazing lines. Again, a, a character that's really easy to like picture, as, uh, like putting yourself into their shoes. Uh, you know, because he's <clears throat> a, a family man. He's he's you know been through multiple wars, and and you know he's. Uh, he's also, you know, you know, maybe that's the tiebreaker is if, if I'm assigned to the 4077, who, who would I want to be my commanding officer? Would I rather it be Blake or would I rather it be Potter? And, and I think, I think for the, <laughs> the overall sake of it being still a military outfit, I, I think I would want to go Potter. Uh, because he's obviously very experienced, but not so, well, uh, he's, he's very experienced, but not so serious, uh, where he wouldn't let you kind of get away with stuff and he's not so GI. Um, so I, I, I think I'm going to go Potter, but this one is, this one is very, very close. Um, I apologize for stepping all over my words, uh, in that description. I, I kind of went off of the rails on that one. So apologies. All right, so let's move on. Okay, let's let's move on from this topic. All right, season one, episode twelve, Dear Dad. Uh, this uh, this episode was written by Larry Gelbart and directed by Gene Reynolds. So this this may explain why this episode is, is so good because speaking of OGs, you got the OGs right here. Uh, this episode uh, aired on December seventeenth, nineteen seventy two. The quick plot. Uh, Hawkeye is writing home to his father, uh, which we see a lot through uh, through Mash, uh, all the way through season, I'm thinking, eight, uh, which is where Dear Uncle Abdul is. So season eight is the last Dear episode. Uh, but anyway, Hawkeye writes home to his father during the Christmas season, which, hey, Christmas episode, relating uh, a number of amusing and personal anecdotes, including Radar's effort to mail home a Jeep piece by piece, piece by piece. The monthly morality lecture, which is always amazing. Uh, Trapper's local medical philanthropy and the ongoing non-secret relationship between Frank and Margaret. Hawkeye dresses up to play Santa Claus for the local children, but is required to go to the front line via helicopter to treat an emergency, which he does in costume. So, the bananas, crackers, and nuts of this episode. With a Christmas lull finally taking hold after 70 hours of sewing kids together... Hawkeye relaxes with a drink in the swamp and begins writing a letter home to his dad in which he expounds on the people he works with. He starts with Henry, whom he calls a good doctor and a pretty good Joe, but then compares his abilities as a CO to being on a sinking liner, running to the bridge, and finding out that the captain is Daffy Duck. What what an amazing description, and it, it, it 100% hits home. It's so good. Uh, but he tells about how Henry reluctantly gave the, the recent monthly lecture, the topic being marital sex and the family, which wasn't helped much by Hawkeye and Trapper's heckling. Oh my gosh. I, I kind of wish they kept the, or like had more lecture episodes. Every time, every time Henry has to give a lecture, like I'm just in tears. Like I am in tears laughing. It's so good. 
I, I don't think it would have been the same, and this is like that that Potter versus Blake thing. Like, I don't think it would have been as uh, as funny if Potter was doing it, just because of Blake's, uh, you know, hilariousness. And, and speaking of which, and, and this was maybe something I wanted to talk about as well, is is there any actor, and, and I, if, if that person exists, I don't know, and I talked about this a couple... Uh, a couple episodes ago, a couple podcasts ago, is McLean Stevenson, in my opinion, I, I can't think of anybody else who is a better reactive comedic character and actor than McLean Stevenson and Henry Blake. I, I don't I don't know if there is somebody. Uh, I know Loretta Swit talked about this uh, um, in, in her interview in Mash Matters podcast with Jeff Maxwell that... Uh, and, and credit to Jeff Maxwell too, because honestly, Igor and, and Jeff Maxwell, th- those guys are that guy, but, uh, in particular, also amazing reactive com- comedic person. And he just, you know, you know, didn't really give enough, get enough credit in MASH because, you know, he's a secondary character, but, uh, also did an amazing job at reactive, uh, comedy. So jumping back to McLean, though, Loretta talked about this, that, you know, she's never seen anybody so good about that. And uh, I, I agree 100 uh, percent. There's definitely nobody better in MASH. And I can't think of another show with a better uh, reactive comedian than, than McLean Stevenson. So so credit there. Um, so anyway, uh, next Hawkeye mentions Radar, who had recently mailed home some unusually large packages. I'm gonna be giggling through this this whole episode, 100. I, I I almost want to apologize, but look, this is a comedy show, right? Like, this is is supposed to make you laugh. So, uh, Radar, who's recently mailed home some unusually large packages, which caught the casual attention of Henry, but also piqued the curiosity of Hawkeye and Trapper. So they decided to do a fluoroscope on one of Radar's packages, only to find out that he's mailing a jeep home. Piece by piece. Hawkeye quips that, you know, once Radar's mailman back home finds out that he uh, he actually delivered an entire Jeep, he'll have a retroactive hernia, which, you know, is very, very possible. Um, all right, so he then gives an update on his pal Trapper John, who has taken a shine to the refugee kids from the nearby orphanage, giving them vac- vaccinations in the mess tent. Uh, he also made himself a hero to locals when he helped a calf... Uh, helped a calf birth its baby for which trapper received a full gallon of mother's milk uh, hawkeye then writes about father mulcahy who has been attempting to decorate the camp using popcorn strings and post-op and hanging surgical instruments on a christmas tree in the mess tent hawkeye talks about mulcahy's inevitable position um uh, at the 4077 and then expounds on a recent incident in the post-op during which frank citing Klinger's being out of uniform ordered him to take off a red bandana he was wearing around his neck. When Frank caused Klinger to drop a tray of specimen bottles meant for the lab and then blamed him, Klinger snaps and went after Frank, wrestling with him over several beds, still occupied by patients, before he finally got in a punch that knocked Frank out. With an MP whistle blowing nearby, Mulcahy quickly sent Klinger away and covered for him when the MP arrived in post-op. Mulcahy then went out looking for Klinger, who was already on his way back to post-op, still very angry, and now carrying a live grenade. Mulcahy tries to talk to Klinger, who is just dead set on literally killing Frank, but also threatening to blow himself and Mulcahy up if he comes any closer. 
After assuring Klinger that he can keep his bandana, Klinger reluctantly but gradually surrenders the grenade to Mulcahy. And ironically, they never see the bandana again. So, you know, there, there might be a few continuation errors in MASH, and specifically this episode, there, there might be a couple. Uh, Alright, so continuing his letter, Hawkeye mentions the nurses and the hard work they've put in, which brings him to Margaret, whom was still being called Hot Lips specifically at this time. Hawkeye calls her a paradox in that she is considerably passionate but also stickler for military correctness. Hawkeye mentions that Frank and Margaret have become an item ever since they met, and though the two are convinced that nobody else knows, their affair is actually a poorly kept secret, and then talks about how he and Trapper stopped by Margaret's tent earlier that day, getting her tent ready for their date that evening. Frank arrives just as Margaret lights a candle, and the two embrace, but when Margaret fears that they may be throwing shadows, Frank blows out the candle, but it immediately reignites. Frank correctly uh, deduces that the candle is a gag and a, a trick candle, and it's only the first of a series of gags that Hawkeye and Trapper, Trapper have left for them, uh, including sawing through the legs of Margaret's bed like 99%, so when they lay down, it, crashed, uh, it crashes to the ground, and then filling her pillow with pudding, which is so ridiculous. Angered and obviously very upset, Frank swears revenge on Hawkeye and Trapper, flailing, <laughs> flailing his arms around until he breaks the center post in Margaret's tent, causing it to completely collapse on both of them. And again, I am just giggling because of the ridiculousness that is this episode and all the just <laughs> insane things that happen. I don't know how realistic some of this stuff is, but I don't even care. Uh, Hawkeye and Trapper, are, are, and pretty much everyone else in the camp, can hear the vocal carnage that is going on in Margaret's now-collapsed tent. And they, of course, are no, now going to bed while the screaming is going on. Alright, the next afternoon, the 4077th is preparing to throw a Christmas party for the children from the orphanage, and Trapper is in pre-op helping Hawkeye suit up as Santa Claus. And to his excitement, Trapper finds that the mess tent is standing room only, but Hawkeye is barely out the door when he has stopped by Henry. An infantry squad is caught in a heavy crossfire 20 miles away, and a corporal is critically wounded and needs surgery as soon as possible to make it. Trapper is ready to volunteer in Hawkeye's place, but when Henry then tells them that it's a chest wound, Hawkeye has no other choice but to go. Uh, which is weird because Trapper is known to be a, a, a chest cutter. Um, anyway, flying out by Chopper to meet the squad, and still dressed as Santa, as he had no time to change, Hawkeye continues his letter to Dad, saying that while he never expected to fly into battle, into battle dressed as Kris Kringle, he muses that the soldiers are in the last place they expected to be. With bombs and bullets flying, Hawkeye is lowered down to the area on a rescue line as the soldiers look on in disbelief, with one of them saying to a private, or one of them saying a private, saying to the wounded corporal, and you said there was no Santa Claus, huh? Alright, so the epilogue, they're, they're back in camp and still partially dressed as Santa. Hawkeye is lying in his bunk, fighting to stay awake long enough to finish his letter to his dad, giving him, in postscript, a Christmas greeting from everyone at MASH, mentioning their names as a brief scene of each one appears and the actor's real names uh, kind of superimposed on the screen and finishing with himself and as your son and unsuccessful draft dodger Hawkeye as he finally nods off to sleep all right so uh amazing episode right so uh <laughs> I, don't, 
I, I have a pretty massive radars report, so we'll get through these pretty fast because I don't want to. I don't want an insanely long episode because next week's episode could be really long. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so my radars report. Uh, number one, uh, Hawkeye mentions that it's Christmas in Korea, as with you in Vermont, in a voiceover to his dad as he's writing. And this is really, you know, right at the beginning. So, okay, let, let's let's get this over with now. Hawkeye is from Maine. He is not from Vermont. Uh, he's from Maine in uh, Richard Hooker's uh, novel. It was uh, somehow a crazy oversight in the early season. They kept slipping in Vermont. I don't know why, uh, but uh, it, it's clearly a mistake. So Hawkeye is from Maine. All right, so let's let's just throw that out. <laughs> throw that out now. Uh, there's also uh, a couple uh, mysterious relatives that don't really exist, uh, like a like a mom and a sister. Uh, so we're we're just gonna move on from those. Uh, number two, first Christmas episode of Mash. Uh, always amazing. I always love the holiday episodes. Uh, number three, Jamie Farr's return as Klinger. His impact in Chief Surgeon Who's episode four was so memorable that he was recalled for this part. Uh, number four, this is Klinger's only early episode appearance where he doesn't actually appear in women's clothing. Uh, unless for some reason you count a red bandana as women's clothing. Uh, number five, the show ends with a character introduction again, which we had just talked about. Um, which, I'm not really sure why, but I, I would assume maybe it's because they're they're kind of getting closer to adding, like, William Christopher and Jamie Farr as, like, actual normal characters. Uh, number six, um, this episode was one of the first MASH episodes to challenge the traditional sitcom format by combining dramatic elements, which is, you know, like the war is hell message, uh, with comedic situations. So... Uh, this one really leaned into mixing war and comedy. Uh, number seven, um, the the letter home uh, storyline. Uh, this is the first uh, letter, kind of like writing letter home storyline in MASH. Um, it's, a, it's a device which hinges on the act of a letter writing, which provides the doctor, writer, or like an opportunity to get things off their chest. Um, so it's a very unique thing to do. It's pretty common uh, in, in episodes. Uh, number eight, the letter home would prove to be in an effective narrative format. Eventually, with the exception of Margaret, Henry, and Frank, every major character and one reoccurring character in Sidney Friedman would have at least one letter home episode or something similar to that. Number nine, as it is in the first Christmas episode of the series, it is also the only time that Hawkeye is dressed as Santa Claus, making him the only original cast member to do so. On later occasions, Santa would be per be portrayed by BJ in Season 7's Dear Sis and Colonel Potter in Season 9's Death Takes a Holiday. Uh, number ten, this was also the first episode to have several different small plot lines woven, woven? <laughs> woven in... Oh, man, this was something which uh, writer Larry Gelbart's wife had actually suggested. She told Gelbart that she would like to know more about what else was going on in the camp away from the main storyline. So the 4077th MASH was a busy place, and she felt they could tell more than one story per episode. Number 11, Hawkeye briefly refers to Father Mulcahy as Red in the mess tent. This is a reference to the character's nickname, Dago Red, which was used in the original book and movie. It was also used once in the pilot episode, but was phased out for the rest of the series. 
Uh, number 12. The episode is set in the winter, yet in the field surgery scene, the soldiers in the foxhole appear to be more dressed as in, in summer clothing. In fact, the real Christmas 1950 in Korea was actually quite different. Uh, in the south, the U.S. forces were holding their own in the uh, Pusan perimeter. In the north, the Marines and the U.S. Army were still in combat in harsh conditions and well below freezing weather. Uh, number 13. Uh, the first actual like winter weather episode of MASH. Now, I, I cannot confirm or deny that this is true, um, but according to some writers on the show, a lot of the actors would send post-it messages about how to change an episode. To get back at the cast, they would write a winter episode, even if the outside temperatures on set would often reach 90 degrees or more. Now, uh, I, it never bothered me, but my, my wife, who also watches the show not as, as insanely as I do... But she notices in, like, every winter episode that it is clearly hot out. I've never noticed that. And, like, the, obviously the wind, they, they use the wind a lot to make it seem, like, very cold. But she's like, clearly it is, like, 90 degrees outside and they're, they're just trying to make it look cold. I never really noticed it. Uh, and I still don't really notice it. But uh, I know it bothers her. Um, and I know like you obviously, you know, with the, the way that the episodes are, have to be written and when they come out and when they have to be you know, actually shot, uh, obviously you're, you're filming this stuff way, way, way in advance. So filming a winter episode is, is pretty common in the summer. So, uh, I do feel bad for this being filmed in Southern California, uh, to portray, uh, something on the 38th parallel to <laughs> that winter, which was, you know, normally be pretty harsh. Uh, number 14. Okay, so I researched fluoroscope. Okay, so they talk about Hawkeye Trapper do a fluoroscope on the one of the boxes that Radar is sending home. And I'm like, okay, is this actually what needs to happen to figure out what's in a box? I'm like, is that just like made up? Because there's definitely some things that are incorrect medically. Uh, <laughs> uh, not a ton, but, but there are some. So I researched fluoroscope and made sure that's exactly what would need to be uh, needed to examine radar's package home. And, and here's what I found. So fluoroscopy is an imaging uh, modality that uses x-rays to allow real-time visualization of body structures. During fluoroscopy, x-ray beams are continually emitted and captured on a screen, producing a real-time dynamic image. This allows for dynamic assessment of an, uh, anatomy and function. So Theoretically, yes, this is what you would need to do. I don't know if that uh, technology was that good at the time, but I would imagine they very easily could have taken an x-ray of a box uh, to figure out what's inside. So, But uh, the, the term, I don't know uh, as far as that. But yes, this actual process would 100% work. Number 15. Um, okay, so I, I, I again, I don't know if this is true, but this is unique to this episode. Um, anytime I talk about MASH with a, a, a friend of mine uh, who I, I know also likes MASH, but he's obviously not quite of a MASH nerd that I am. Uh, but every time we talk about MASH, he always brings up Radar uh, shipping the Jeep home. And he swears that in seasons one and two, Radar can be seen <coughs> uh, several times in episodes. I don't know, four, five, six times in different episodes in those first couple seasons, walking uh, in the background with uh, boxes or carrying boxes or dragging boxes behind him. 
and it, it can be seen several times even prior to this episode, which I tried to be on the lookout for. I never saw it prior to this episode, but I am going to try to keep an eye out in future episodes for a radar walking in the background with a box. So I, I'm going to try to keep an eye out. If somebody is aware that this is a thing, please let me know because I am 99% sure this is not the case and that my friend uh, is really just thinking of this one episode and not multiple episodes and he thinks it happens all the time. But again, I cannot verify, I cannot confirm nor deny. Um, all right, uh, that was number 15. Number 16, okay, so the PA announcements just go hog wild. Uh, in this episode, 100%. Like, it's just, this is, when you think of PA announcements, this is pretty much the uh, <laughs> the, the episode you're thinking of. <clears throat> um, because there is, I think, five, yeah, five uh, really good PA announcements in this one. Um, so, number one with the PA announcements, the Glee Club meets in the mess tent at 0800 hours. The first number on tonight's schedule is uh, Father Mulcahy's solo, I'm Confessing That I Love You. So minor blooper in that one is they say the first number on tonight's schedule and they say 0800 hours, which is 8 a.m. So uh, I'm thinking that's just a small uh, oversight or I don't know if it's maybe an, an unintentional thing or an actual intentional blooper. I don't know. Uh, number two of the PA announcements. Due to the number of people bored last Sunday, next Sunday will be canceled. That's always a, that's always a classic. When people want to think of the uh, that one, um, that's one of my go-tos. And, and honestly, this next one is probably the one I, I normally drop. Is uh, If somebody asks me, what's your favorite PA announcement? I say this one. The following men have volunteered for this afternoon's 10-mile physical fitness hike. That's it. So, yeah, that's 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 the one I normally go to. Uh, all right, number four of the PA announcements. Attention all personnel. When filling out GI insurance forms, be sure to state your age and sex at the time of your last birthday. Uh, and finally, the last one, a reminder that the 4077th Christmas party for the Korean children in the area will be held today at 1400 hours. So everyone turn out to meet the kids. Santa will be there too. We can only hope he's sober. Uh, so my, my favorite part about this one is right after this is you finally see Santa Claus and you see finally also that it's Hawkeye and of course he's getting dressed uh dressed and, and Trapper's kind of helping him get dressed as Santa Claus while he's sipping a martini so no Santa will not be sober uh for this and of course he obviously is also not present because uh, he's got a job to do in a minute so uh glasses of martinis for this episode it is a uh, it is a true classic uh, episode of MASH, uh, especially in season one, in my opinion, just amazing. Uh, so my glasses of martini, uh, this is a nine out of 10, uh, nine out of 10 for me. Uh, it might be like closer to like a 9.5 to be honest, but it's, it's right up there. It's an amazing episode. Um, uh, especially again, like a, an amazing early episode. The holiday episodes are always great. There are so many storylines, and, and I always like all the Deer episodes. Um, all Deer, everybody, with the exception of one. There's one Deer episode that I do not like, um, but we're going to have to keep that a mystery until we get to it. Um, all right, so next week, let, let's go ahead and talk about this, because next week, uh, obviously there's something big going on next week. 
Uh, of course, you know, I'm filming this way in advance, but, uh, you know, when, when, wait, when is this, uh, when is this episode? This episode is coming out, ooh, on, um, September 11th, which again is a, a horrible day in, in, uh, world history. Um, so I, I did forget that this was coming out on 9-11, so apologies for that. Um, but, uh, I'm, re I'm recording this on 9-8. This is coming out on 9-11. Um, but the week after is, uh, is September 17th, which of course we all know, right, is, uh, the 50th anniversary of MASH, uh, the first episode release date, uh, September 17th, 1972. Uh, so we're hitting 50 years, but this is going to be on a Saturday. So I, I think next episode I'm going to bump to Saturday, um, and just release, uh, a, a special episode. Um, uh, we're not going to be hitting Edwina. We'll hit Edwina, uh, the following week. Um, so that will be out on Sunday, September 25th. Um, so, but I'm going to do a, a, a special episode for Saturday, September 17th for the 50th anniversary. Um, I do have some thoughts and, and some things I'm already working on and I'm already kind of scripting out. Um, I feel like I'm probably already halfway done with that episode. Um, but if you have other things you want me to discuss or talk about or like discuss this or, or whatever, I'm also going to go through Reddit and, and kind of get some, maybe some ideas from the MASH Reddit in there. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm going to release that, that episode on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that. But again, please let me know if you have anything that you want me to discuss, uh, for that 50th anniversary. Um, but otherwise, uh, I will see you guys uh, there. Again, happy anniversary to, to all of MASH fandom out there. All right, guys. I'll be seeing you.